0: well the apartment was shrouded in their hate for each other and my dad was a severe alcoholic um and um it was just it was just a, an environment there was no there was no emotional connection between anyone
1: this is episode number 490, live coaching with Cheryl, when and how to speak up in a relationship. Hi everybody, I'm Sandy Weiner, and welcome back to Last First Date Radio where we believe it is never too late to go on your last first date date. And if you would like some support on your journey to lasting love, I wrote a book and it's called Becoming a Woman of Value, How to Thrive in Life and Love. It's filled with 30 chapters. Each chapter has a story an exercise tips to help you step more fully into your value. And you can find it on Amazon for Kindle or paperback. This week's tip from the book is step number 20, which is adapt a positive mindset so important when you are dating or just living <laughs> that you really are able to have a positive growth-oriented mindset. We often will look at our past relationships with the negativity and uh, we beat ourselves up. We don't look at situations as something that we can learn from, but something that we... Um, that happened to us, not for us. So my challenge this week to you is to look at whatever you're really negative about with a brighter, more positive mindset and uh, try to put a positive spin on it. Not everything is happy and perfect all the time. and um, But I, I just think that we all do better with more positivity in our lives. And before I bring Cheryl on, I just want to invite you to our Facebook group, Your Last First Date, which is where Cheryl found me. <laughs> uh, we have amazing women in there. We have seven monitors. This is a highly, highly monitored group. And um, it's, it's all about positive growth. So the positive mindset is practiced in my group, as Cheryl knows. And We, uh, we would love to have you if you're a woman over 40 and you're looking for growth, come and join us at your last first date. So Cheryl uh, wrote in and I'm going to read what she wrote and then we're going to bring her on and have her talk about what's going on in her relationship. So Cheryl wrote, I'm in an exclusive relationship and I have two main issues. The first is that since I've been so unsuccessful in relationships in the past, my confidence is low. And I often put myself down with him sometimes expressing disbelief that he wants me. And the second issue is that sometimes I get miffed by things he does, but I can't decide whether to address them. They're small things like when he came to my house for the first time, he didn't compliment me on it, or when I paid for our movie tickets, he didn't offer to pay for our snacks, so I paid for those too. There are many wonderful things he does, and I do call them out and express my appreciation. When and how do I speak up about the smaller things? So welcome, Cheryl. Thank you. Um thank you for being brave enough to come on my show and be coached about this stuff and it's it's vulnerable. I appreciate your honesty and your vulnerability because you know I think a lot of people can relate to bringing their past relationship stuff to the table every time we're in a new relationship old stuff comes up. So tell me a little bit more first about the first part that um that you are really looking back at your unsuccessful relationships and sometimes you can't even believe that this guy wants you
0: yeah and uh i think you, you picked a good tip from your book to start with so i really am trying to be more positive about both myself and the the others that cross my path but it is difficult so you know i have I have a story that has unfolded over years where I see the negative. So I didn't have parents that were affectionate towards me. Um, I had a husband who wanted a divorce um, and never prioritized coming home to me or the kids. Then I got into a relationship after the divorce where there was, um, as, as hard as you can think about believing this it was both love and abuse um and then when I was um and he left that relationship and then I had a one-year relationship with someone who decided he just didn't want a relationship at all and he wanted to be on his own and so I've kind of strung all these points together to make a line and the line is that I'm not worth choosing and so when um, I am with now this gentleman Seth, and he makes time for me, um, and he's very, very, very busy, um, it I, I feel like guilty. But that's my first feeling: is how do I, how do I make it smaller for him, easier for him, um, because I don't, I guess, feel like I deserve attention, or I haven't in the past.
1: Just to kind of recap, so you grew up in a home with very little affection, um, a family that didn't value you for who you were. And then you married a guy who repeated the pattern, went into another relationship who repeated the pattern. And now here's this guy who's saying you're special. And I am making time for you, even though I'm busy and you feel bad about that. And um, so you diminish your own needs because you don't wanna to be too needy. Is that, is that what's going on here?
0: I diminish my needs and myself really. Um, and I'm trying very hard not to do that, but it is difficult. And it's exacerbated by the fact that he doesn't, he's a reserved individual and he doesn't show a lot of verbal affection. Um, he, he shows physical affection, but not verbal affection. And so I, I'm left kind of unnecessarily, I, I shouldn't be doubting, but I find I doubt all the time.
1: So there's a hole that. Nobody can fill but you.
0: I know that. Right. But I can't live it. Not yet. (laughs) I have not yet been able to live it.
1: Yeah. But you're aware, which is the first step. Like you're aware of the fact that there is this hole that you're with this guy, you're getting more than you got. He's not giving you um, all the signs of affection that would really make you feel better. So when you don't get a compliment about your home, or he doesn't offer to pay for something, then that that hits that hole. Right? So what's the story you're making up when he comes in your home and he doesn't compliment it when he came in the first time?
0: In, in that kind of case, I feel that or I, I think that I'm just not, I'm not going to get everything that I need and 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 there are so many great things about him so just be positive and appreciate the good things you're not going to have everything and I mean that specifically for myself not in general people can't get everything they want but that there's so much good here stop picking on the things that aren't making you feel great um, and see the good And it's a very complicated message that I coach myself with because um, I know that there's that bent to doubt and the bent to feel bad about the things I'm not getting. And I'm really trying to be more positive about what I am getting.
1: Both are important. I think what's, what's important here is that you do have needs. And I think the distinction between... I have a need or I have a nice to have is important because if you don't express what you do need, then I'm curious if some resentment starts to build up.
0: I'm kind of at the, like the, 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 the lion's gate trying to prevent that and just mm-hmm. saying you know, people are wired in different ways. I'm wired with a very, 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 very high need for intimacy and bonding because I've never had that. And so it's, um, I wouldn't say it's insatiable because that sounds like it's crazy, but it's very, very, very strong. Um, And that's my problem. So when I, I always come to this crossroads, which gets to the second point of what I had written in is like, when something doesn't feel great, it's, it's so much head talk about, do I bring it up? And I want to err on the side of no, because it sounds critical. Even if I do a soft startup and I've read the Gottman stuff. um, And I can't figure out how much of what's bothering me is just me so my wiring and, and, and what I need versus being critical, I'm self-doubting all the time.
1: Yeah, and so again, it's, it's having clarity around, is this a need or am I feeling needy? So if it, if it is a need of yours, then it's totally legitimate to bring it up. And if it's a neediness, then it's something you have to fill for yourself. So that's how I distinguish between the two. So yes, you have this hole from childhood, which you need to fill, which makes it feel like there's this insatiable need for affection and, and intimacy because it's, it's a hole, you know, and the hole does have to be filled. So it's like when you try to put things into a hole and it keeps going through the hole, instead of getting filled up, then the hole is not going to be patched. And so the way we patch is really through the inner work and really knowing your value and knowing I have needs and needs have to be protected. So if somebody steps on a value of yours, something that's important to you, then it is important to bring up. And if it's something small that, you know, somebody left the toilet seat up, not going to be a deal breaker necessarily, unless you make up a story that he's just inconsiderate and what a jerk and he's doing this to me. So when I asked you before, um, when when he didn't compliment you on your home, when he came in the first time, what was the story you were making up? You did not really answer about what you're making up about what it meant to him. So that's what I was looking for. So what what you answered is that I can't have everything I need, so, so stop, stop asking for it. So it's again. How can I make myself smaller by not talking about the small things? Because maybe they're not so small after all. So, so let's let's really
0: get to well, so, what triggered I was you aware there. That I didn't answer your question. So I, I felt really disappointed. I felt like it was a miss um, for him, him not to say anything. I'm I'm very proud of the fact that. I I don't receive any alimony. I pay for my mortgage myself. Um, And it's a comfortable, very comfortable home for my children to live in. And so when he missed complimenting me, I didn't feel seen or heard or appreciated. At the same second, I coached myself and I said, listen, This is a very cognitive individual. He's highly analytical. Um, These niceties are not his MO. And he has expressed the desire to be better about relating to people. We grew up very similarly with a lot of coldness in his marriage and in his parents. and so I, I never feel that it's a value infringement. I just feel that he's very up in his head and doesn't have that natural inclination to make people feel good in that so you, way.
1: Yeah, so your wounds connected, right? And, and the, hard, the good part is that you can heal each other the the hard part is that you're both struggling with the same core wounds. And it sounds like you have more awareness than he does in terms of expression and you've read books and you've done some work on yourself. And so you're at the advantage to lead him if he's open. And it sounds like he probably is open, right?
0: Yes, and that's why I feel very encouraged and I also don't feel a lot of the anxious attachment that I have in other relationships um you know even last night but I'm very measured about what I choose to say and not last night we were on the phone and I made a little joke a a wordplay joke and he didn't respond and it's not the first time and I said you know Seth, when uh, it was so halting because I didn't want to come off as critical and I was fighting with myself as to whether to bring it up. But I said, Seth, when I don't hear any, any acknowledgement of a joke that i have made, I, I, I don't feel heard or seen or appreciated. And it's, uh, I experience it as a, as a tiny rupture in our relationship. And he said, you know, I do that with my coworker too. Um, he tells jokes and I don't know how to respond to them. It's not coming from a place of condescension, which right. I think I would pick, I think I would pick up on. And I think I would feel that that was a, you know, that that's like a, that's a no, no, I mean, I know no, that's enough a complete now to no, say, no, yeah, no, that's bad. Yeah. Um, you know I read about the four horsemen I get I get yeah (laughs) it's with him it's just a it's a lack of that kind of warm connect connectivity but what he did say is I I I hear you and I'd like to work on that and be more generous in my responses beautiful um so I do and and I I still felt nervous about having because there's something like that almost every day. Okay.
1: So and he may, he, I
0: don't want to be doing that.
1: Yeah. And he may be um, a practice step towards the right person as you're mm-hmm. both healing each other. Um, or he may be somebody who eventually becomes the right person as you grow together. And we obviously don't know that. So I love that you spoke up. I love that you were able to articulate what needs of yours were not met. The part that would make it even better for you would be to then make a request that's specific. So that might look like, and the next time that this happens, um, so, so appreciate, first of all, appreciate that he's open, appreciate that he also wants to work on himself and he sees this as an issue not just with you but with other people. And then I, so I would bring that up again and check in with him and say, would you would you be open to brainstorming some better ways to respond in the moment? And or maybe there's a symbol that you have for him that shows you, oops, uh, just made a joke, you know, <laughs> you know, and so you could be playful about it. And, um, and then what would you need from him? Um, So, you know, be specific about that. So what would be a good response from him when you do make a little joke?
0: Something simple like, oh, good one. You know, I don't need a belly laugh, just- Right, you need acknowledgement. Yeah, humor is a positive bid. And so I want a positive bid anytime.
1: Yeah. And so um, does he understand the concept of of bids for connection?
0: Only to the extent that I shared it with him.
1: Okay. So I just want to, for all the listeners here who are not familiar with Gottman's work, John and Julie Gottman um, run the Gottman Institute. It's an amazing resource for relationship skills. They have tons of books. It has been extremely influential for me. I've read the book um, about how to make a marriage work and the one about relationship bids. And so a bid for connection, when we're trying to connect with people, we put out bids. And so the person who we're communicating with has the option to accept the bid, to reject the bid or to do nothing. And so in this case, your boyfriend was doing nothing. And so unless you're getting your bid accepted, you're left feeling unaccepted. <laughs> and it's it's a bad feeling. So when you look at any relationship where you have some conflict, it's usually because you've tried to connect and the person is, is not meeting it with the type of connection that would work for you. And so for some people, they just don't get it. They don't want to get it. It sounds like Seth wants to get it, but he doesn't have the skills to connect. And, and even I would say, without knowing him, but growing up in a cold family, one of the ways that we protect ourselves is by blocking and being unable to even hear certain things. And I know people like this, they have like this narrow vision and hearing, they, they block out everything that's around them, they block out memories of childhood, and so in order to function and be able to survive in an environment like that, you do have to shut yourself down to some degree. Relationships require you to open, to let the guards down, and to have intimacy, which is extremely scary for people who have grown up without it. So the way to do it is to find ways to keep it safe for both of you. And you are aware that when you put out a rela- a bid for connection, that you would like some acknowledgement, even if it's just tiny. So, you know, if you can remind him, you know, hey, I just made a joke. Did you get that one? <laughs> you know? And so if you're willing to make yourself a little vulnerable in that way, I think that would help him. Um, does that, does that help?
0: Yes. And um, I, I think the the really great part of what you said also is that I have said also in a joking way, oh, I guess I guess that joke wasn't funny, or oh, you missed my joke. Um, but I I never said until last night it's important to me, and and why why mm-hmm. um, because that natural like sometimes I'll send him a a, a text and you know he'll he won't respond to it and it's a it's a stream of like oh I'm playing ping pong with Abby it's a lot of fun and when we get together he's like what do I do with those texts <laughs> like the natural it's just not natural for him yeah and it's not like what do I do with those texts it's like he really doesn't know what to do with those texts
1: yeah so when you're not making a direct request of him he doesn't know how to answer yeah so maybe you want to make more requests and say what you, what you're looking for. And it sounds like in all these cases, that's, that's what's missing. He's extremely linear and analytical and he wants to be more able to connect with you. And so it's a, it's a training. It really is. It's like, if I had an operating manual, this is how I operate. And I actually have my clients fill out an operating manual because I remember hearing so many times from clients like, uh, he doesn't know that I need time, quiet time. Um, I haven't claimed my quiet time. I, you know, people want people to read their minds and that we all know that's not going to work because that, that's just a terrible strategy. And so you don't want to make your needs smaller because there's still needs. You know, I have clients who are anxious and they reach out to their boyfriend and say, here's what I need. When I haven't heard from you in this amount of time, I make up stories in my head. So I know they're not true, but What I would love is a check-in. What I would love is a hug. What I would love is this. And so the more you know yourself.
0: Like hmm? I I can't be doing that all the time. No. So I'm always choosing whether to let it go or say something. And that requires a lot of energy expending on my behalf. Yeah. And I'm always weighing, you know, you 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 want, I want, and I'm sure he does too, to feel accepted, admired, and appreciated for who he is. Not that he has this thing. I, I don't want him to think that I'm seeing him as a thing that needs to be improved. And so where is the balance between saying, speaking up, and accepting and admiring fondly who he is today?
1: That's a good question.
0: Some of these issues are
1: global issues. So the joke, the, the just the reactions, those are global and you shouldn't have to tell him every single time. There could be a symbol, there could be a sign, there could be something so you don't have to go, hey, you know what, I need a reaction to my joke. That's exhausting if you had to say it every time. Other issues are going to be just a one-time thing, you know, like when he didn't compliment you on your home, we'll go back to that one. Um, he had no idea how important that was to you. And I, I've experienced the same thing. I painted my furniture. So my home is a piece of me more than most people's homes. It's it's my artwork. It's It's something that represents me. And I've had men come into my home and say, wow, you made this. It's amazing. And the other men who can't even see it. So people are just not aesthetic sometimes, but they also don't know that this is important to me. So you can ask, what do you think of my it's home? It's all one
0: thing though. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's all different manifestations of the core. And if he doesn't know how to make me feel verbally he doesn't know how to make me feel loved so it's like it pops up in different ways it's the home or when he met my children he didn't afterwards when we were alone say anything nice about them and so I don't want to keep harping on different operationalizations of the same thing it's all the same thing right it's only one thing
1: yes I get that okay so let me ask you another question, which is, how do you feel loved in other parts of your life? I don't. You don't feel loved with your children?
0: Not really, no. Friends? I, I don't really have.
1: And what have you done to heal the wounds of your childhood?
0: Oh, a lot of reading, um, you know, webinars, um, very, very, very short-term coaching engagements.
1: It's a global issue for you. (laughs) Um,
0: right. And so
1: he's got his uh, inability to connect with you verbally in the way you need, but the truth is that nobody's able to connect with you in the way that you need, because it's something that you need to give to yourself you know, in every relationship, there's yours, mine, and ours. And this is this is a you issue. And it's also a him issue. But it's when you solve the you issue piece. And, and what, what I mean by that is really to have the tools and the skills to be able to give back the love and reparent yourself in a way that you didn't get before. Because nobody else can give that to you. What they can do is add to your life and they can add to the love you already give yourself. Because when you know your value, you're not trying to make yourself smaller. You're not afraid somebody's gonna leave if you do the wrong thing. And you're not trying to fix anybody. You're gonna have a partner who is able to express love because he's not as wounded as you are. So this relationship is, is, um, is a healing relationship for you both but it may end up being so frustrating in the end because you both have similar wounds and you both have to fill those holes as well for yourself. The only person you can heal is yourself. Obviously, you're not responsible for his healing. And I would say a good place to start the, the giving yourself back the love is really to go back to the earliest memory of How old were you when you first remember feeling unloved or, you know, just not getting the affection you need? Three, two. So you're two or three years old and your parents just ignored you. Like describe a little bit about what, what you were feeling. Let's say be, be two or three for a minute and, and just feel the feelings.
0: Well, well, the, Hartman was shrouded in their hate for each other and my dad was a severe alcoholic um and um it was just it was just a, an environment there was no there was no emotional connection between anyone physical or as i got older I became more of a vehicle for getting good grades and getting into a good So then I knew my worth was dependent on my grades and getting into an Ivy League school and all that other stuff. But very, very early on, it was just an emotionally vapid place. Um, And, you know, I'm an only child and I I didn't have any, there weren't grandparents or aunts, uncles or was It was very, very, very alone. And I, I, had, I had my own room. I had everything I needed, um, you know, from the, the lower rungs of Maslow's hierarchy. And I spent an inordinate amount of time in my room reading.
1: You found a way to self-soothe and you found yeah. a way to take care of yourself. And it, your parents were just not capable of being the parents that you needed, unfortunately. And, uh, but you, you had good survival skills. You filled yourself with the nourishment you needed on an intellectual level, which is a great skill. And you found friends in books and in intelligence, obviously your vocabulary is an excellent vocabulary. Like you can, I can hear the words that you use, which, uh, you know, I, I think it's, it's a very common thing that people who grow up in these kinds of of homes that have emotional abuse and don't give you the nourishment that you need, that you get valued by doing and not by being. And the whole work as an adult is to value who you are, not what you do. Going back to that three-year-old and if you just picture her, is she scared? Is she, What what's going on for her emotionally?
0: Um, there was a lot of uh, putting my, my back against the door and covering my ears to not hear and crying. Um, I remember, you know, being my, yanked by my babysitter in, in a playground and, and my mom not comforting me. Uh, my arm came out of the socket mm. and, um, my mom took me to the doctor. I remember, but there was no, she was a good mother. She wasn't a mommy.
1: Well, how do you distinguish
0: the difference? I, I had everything I needed, food, clothing, education. I never wanted for anything. Um, if I wanted Barbie at Hanukkah, I got a Barbie at Hanukkah. I mean, there was, there was really no, I mean, we didn't have much money, but there, I didn't, there was no lack. Um, but there was no love. And I had a terrible relationship with her and pretty much no relationship with my dad. And they hated each other. So it was just a, a triangulated mess. Yeah.
1: And so you got your material needs met, but not your emotional needs met. So when you picture that little three-year-old with her back against the door and her ears covered, and there's there's this violent anger in the house, your arm gets pulled out of the socket and your mother doesn't know how to comfort you except to take care of your physical needs. Let's get her to the doctor, but where's the hug? Where's the, I'm here for you. I'm I love you, right? So what I want you to do now is to tell that three-year-old what you would tell her if you were her parent.
0: Oh my God. I mean, I'm like over the top with my kids. You know, I, 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 I love you no matter what, no matter what grades you get. Um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm probably overly physical and affectionate with them. You know, they say, my middle one was like, you know, so inappropriate mommy, stop touching me. Um, but I I, I mean, I would, I would love to have treated me with all of that physical and emotional exuberance. And I know I would be different today. I know I would have friends. I know I would have more career success. I, I know I probably wouldn't have married who I married and I know I would have made healthier choices.
1: Right, but you did the best you could. I mean, the fact that you could have a marriage and that you could have relationships says something about you and your resiliency. So this three-year-old wasn't getting the core needs met and which makes it very vulnerable to ask for what you need today. And you know exactly what she needed because you then gave that to your children. So if you could have that conversation with your 3-year-old every day, you know, I love you, you're I love you no matter what. You don't have to prove your worth, you are worthy. Really, even if you have a picture of her at 3 or whatever youngest picture you can find, do you have a picture? Sure. Yeah. So if you can take that picture out and actually talk to her, You know, give her the love she didn't get because you can reparent her. You can help fill that hole by reparenting that little girl. Because if you don't reparent her, she's gonna be the one choosing all your partners. Right? She's there going, please love me. Please give me the love I didn't get. I'm covering my ears. This is too much for me. I just need you to just see me Hear me, understand me. So now you're giving her that love so that the older, more mature you is going to make the choices for all the parts of your life where the mature adult comes in, not just for work and as a parent, but the emotional choices. Because what's what's happening now is not only is she making choices for you emotionally, but your saboteurs all the all the voices in your head are telling you you're worthless so the way to combat the saboteur is to build up the love and the and the essence of who you are which is there you got to you got to bring it out more you have to elevate it and she was this innocent little child that had this thing happen to her you had no choice You were, you were born into this family and given these parents and you made the best of it that you could. And now you get to choose to do better, to give her what she didn't get because your parents can't do that. Men can't do that. And the more you fill her up, the more your hole will get filled, the more you're going to attract in friendships because friendship is a form of vulnerability too. And so opening up to other people other than men and, and not just finding people who are so broken, but people who also have done the work. So the best match for you would be somebody who has done work and is able to express and has a secure attachment style. This guy sounds like he he's trying, but he's probably more of an avoidant than a secure attachment. And that was again, a, a, it was a survival skill. But he doesn't even have the awareness of what it is that you need. So the, the method is give her the love, give yourself your three-year-old the love, take those saboteur voices, quiet them down. Every time they come in, just go, you are, go away you are not needed, go find somebody else to bother and, and, and speak up, speak up all the time, like your needs matter. And it's not like you're harping on a million things, but to see how much more this relationship can grow. It's important to, to make those requests and to brainstorm together to give him agency. So he's not this broken person that you're trying to fix, but that you do admire who he is and you trust that he has answers inside, just like you do. They're just buried probably with his three-year-old. Thank you. So tell me your takeaways from, from what we talked about today.
0: Oh, I'm definitely gonna go home tonight after work and find that picture. Um And I don't have the kids tonight, so it's a perfect uh-huh. night to do that. Good. And um, I'm, I'm I like the uh, banishing the saboteurs, and just maintaining the awareness of when they come in and feeling more confident about not second guessing if something feels cold or missing or neutralized, to be able to say it because maybe it's not about even making our relationship our current relationship better maybe it's about making me better um and i think those are three very concrete ways forward so when you do speak
1: up make direct requests yes he has no idea what you mean unless you are specific and when you send a text tell him what you need you know and it, and see what happens. I mean, people send texts all the time that are like, okay, like, <laughs> I don't know what to do with this. I mean, even people who aren't like him, I I've gotten texts where somebody says, here's what I made for dinner. Oh, um, nice. <laughs> did you want me to come over for dinner? Uh, did you, I'm not sure what you're looking for here. People just miss in communication. And so if you follow these three things, and it's going to take time, you know, and give yourself time, but really be kind to yourself because you've been really unkind to yourself and find that picture of that, that little you I'm writing it down right now. Okay. You're reparenting her, you're giving her back what she didn't get so that she can start filling up with the love that she needs. You're going to banish those saboteur voices by being aware of them hearing them and dismissing them and telling them they're not necessary anymore. These voices kept you safe. You're not enough. You're too, you know, just stay quiet. Don't make noise, get good grades. That's the taskmaster, you know? And so what happens is we start believing those as truths. And so the more you can banish those saboteur voices and recognize them as not needed anymore, the reparenting is going to help the love overpower the saboteur. And the more you speak up, the more empowered you're going to feel as well, that your needs matter. And that eventually you'll be surrounded with people who you don't have to work so hard with. Thank
0: you very much. Really, really, really helpful.
1: Oh, good. I'm so glad. And let me know what happens. A few weeks later, I heard back from Cheryl. Let's hear what
2: she had to say. Hey Sandy, this is Cheryl checking back in with you. Just a follow-up on the three things that we talked about. Uh, One was the reparenting, one was the saboteur voices, and the third was speaking up and making specific requests, um, future forward requests, not past. So the reparenting, I I did find a picture of myself when I was very young. Um, It was a very emotional experience. Um, experience and I do feel a lot of love and empathy for that little child Um, it makes me sad to think about what I might have been like if I had had a different household Um, but I did feel a lot of empathy for her Um, in terms of the saboteur voices you know it's funny I got to be honest with uh, dating Seth, um, he's definitely securely attached. And a lot of that has sort of gone away for me. Um, I don't think it's a permanent shift because I think if, honestly, I think if we broke up and I got into a tough relationship or didn't find someone for a while, I think they would come back. Uh, but for now, they have been quieted because I do feel secure with Seth. Um, and that sort of leads to the third thing, which is speaking up and making requests. Um, although not formally diagnosed, Seth and I have talked a lot about it. And um, we, we do think he is likely to have Asperger's, uh, a mild form of it, but definitely on the spectrum um, and so I have actually taken a moratorium for the most part on making requests because they don't generalize to the next situation. Um, he's, he recognizes in the moment, um, and he's good about that, but it's like the same thing. Over and over again. And that's just going to be him. And it's really going to be my decision whether I'm going to feel loved in that kind of situation or not. I don't think that there will be any real change in his ability to express emotions about me or about us. Um, He just can't access that. Um, And so i don't feel comfortable continuing making the same type of request to him Um, i think it'll end up feeling critical of him and frustrating for me so really it's more about i've shifted my focus to one of positive appreciation there is so much about him that i really love uh, admire respect and have deep fondness for and I'm very attracted to him physically so um, that's kind of where we're at and Sandy I really appreciate your guidance always and it is a pleasure and an honor to be part of your community. Cheryl really took the assignments to
1: heart and she did them all in her own way and I love that. In one short coaching session, she is on her way to healing her inner child and having the love that she really deserves. And thanks everybody for listening today. If you love our show, please rate and review us. And as always, here's to your last first date. If you are ready to get unstuck, gain new tools, become more empowered, and finally find your Last First Date, I'd love to talk to you. Fill out an application to be considered for a complimentary half-hour love breakthrough session at lastfirstdate.com forward slash application. That's lastfirstdate.com forward slash application. I look forward to talking to you soon.